Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, the importance of keeping up financial health during the holidays, the Golden Gophers head to the Holiday Bowl, and a new show honoring the life and music of Gershwin opens at a popular Twin Cities theater. But first, will there be a special session of the Minnesota Legislature before Christmas? That's the question on many people's minds. So we turn now to MNN's Bill Werner. Bill, will a special session happen? Well, Scott, there is a lot of disagreement on that. First, let's hear the view of a top lawmaker, incoming Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka. Republicans won a narrow majority in the Senate in the November election, and although they won't actually take control of the Senate until the regular session in January, they are having much input on what might happen in a possible special session in December. So first, Mr. Leader, is a special session going to happen? I'm still at 80% chance. I mean, the, the fact that the, the governor said, you know, the, the deadline's realistically next week says that, you know, he is open and wanting to try to finish this off. Uh, we've all agreed that health care relief is important and tax relief and the bonding bill. And the bonding, the tax bill is, is pretty much intact. That one, you know, is, is very close to, I believe, what it would be. The bonding bill is where most of the work's being spent on, and uh, I truly believe that all three sides want to get all three of those done. Um, so, you know, it's it's the late last last hour, but I still think it's going to get done. Um, you had talked about that in addition to the short-term relief on the health care um, premiums I'm talking about. Yep. Um, having um, some sort of long-term relief as well. Um, is some sort of an outline of what will happen in 2017 in the, se- in the regular session on long-term relief, is that something that from your standpoint, Mr. Leader, is really necessary in order to proceed on the short-term relief in a special session? Uh, I have decided that uh, the governor seems to be uh, willing and open to long-term reform uh, that is not geared towards more public options. And so if we're talking about real reform, uh, you know, a reinsurance pool of some sort, uh, because what we have now is broken, uh, inviting more players into the market to be more competitive and finding ways to streamline the whole system, if, if we can... I think we all agree that that is the general direction that we need to head. And so I think you'll see in January that that's what we're going to be working on with the idea of trying to pass it early, uh, maybe as early as late March, uh, so that the the people that want to participate in this market as, as far as providers uh, can look at what we're trying to do and, and uh, hopefully come this way. Would you be willing to, uh, as far as, you and your caucus are concerned, uh, approve short-term relief at this point in special session without having any specific agreement with the governor um, on, on long-term relief? Yes, and, and only because uh, we, the government, and I will tell you that not one Republican voted for the Minsure bill, but we, the government now, all of us that are here, recognize that when people, because we ruined the market, because their rates are going up as much as 67%, paying premiums as much as $30,000 a year with, with high deductibles, we have to give them some relief. 
That's incoming Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka, optimistic on the chances for a special session. But Hamlin University political analyst David Schultz has a different view. Do you think that there will actually be a special session uh, before Christmas to address uh, skyrocketing health insurance premiums, at least in the short term? I suspect there may not be for two reasons. First is that I think that the, there's no clear agreement at this point in terms of exactly what to do. I think that's one problem. The second is, is that I'm still not sure if the political incentives line up in terms of all the parties actually want to convene before Christmas. And what I mean by that is that with the Republicans now controlling both chambers as of the new year, they may decide to wait until after the new year where they would have more leverage in the negotiations as opposed to now to where they only control the House of Representatives. And so I think it comes down to a lot about just political incentives and institutional incentives. You know, I was uh, of your opinion on this until I talked to uh, the incoming uh, Senate Majority Leader, Paul Gazelka. And I understand that although his his party does not have a majority in the special session. It was, it was interesting, his attitude on this, because I asked him, I says, if you're going to do something now, don't you really want to get uh, some additional leverage by requiring that the governor and Democrats give you some assurances that, uh, uh, that there will be long-term reform if, in fact, they um, agree to short-term reform at this point? And he said, no, uh, that... The relief is badly enough needed that they're willing to do that now, and there appears to be enough common ground with uh, Governor Dayton and Democrats to move forward on long-term reforms during the regular regular legislative session. Hmm. What, what do you think about that in the context? Well, what's well, actually kind of interesting, you know, in yeah. the sense that that again, you normally, you know. At least, in all skepticism here, we don't normally think of legislators uh, anymore coming together with the governor to do the right thing, you know, you know, unless there's a real political reason to do it, you know, political incentives. And so if here, the idea of saying that we're going to provide some type of relief, um, regardless of the issue of, of having more leverage, you know, come next year, that, that's, that's an interesting sort of effort in terms of bipartisanship that we haven't seen you know, at the legislature and with the governor in an awful long time. So you're skeptical that it really might happen? I'm really skeptical at this point. I mean, because we're now looking at saying that the special session would have to occur probably within, let's, let's say, the next seven to ten days. Because yes. the closer we get to Christmas, the less than likely this is going to happen. They have at least put put on the tentative agenda for this possible special session, which might or might not happen. Some other items as well. The tax bill that the governor vetoed uh, last uh, year, uh, or no, earlier this year, excuse me. It seemed it, the time goes by so fast, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it at, at after the the end of the regular session, because there was an error in it, and the two sides couldn't get together on an agreement on that. And they're also talking about a bonding package, which was the same kind of a thing that uh, blew up in the closing minutes of the uh, regular session, presumably because of a miscommunication between the House and the Senate, although clearly politics probably made that miscommunication uh, happen, I would suspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, So is there any chance of those things moving forward if there were, in the remote chance that there were a special session? Well, there's always a chance, whether or not they are 
are, are serious ones in the sense of does the governor and do the leaders want to potentially open up this, this sort of um, either call it a special session, I'm going to call it a pre-session. It's almost like a pre-session. And do they want to open up a lot of these different things? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just not sure. You know, I, you know, I suspect if they're going to do this stuff, they're going to follow the old Rudy Perpich approach, which is to have the agreement on all these things before they call special session. Otherwise, if they say, well, we're just going to call special session, these are the items on the agenda, and they're not going to be able to work them out. Certainly not going to happen. So I think it really comes down to, again, can they work out the details on the tax bill, can they, on the relief, on the bonding bill in advance? And if they can do that, then it'll happen. But that all requires, I think, that they get all their ducks in a row and get all this agreed to before they even actually go into the session. Because I I don't think anybody wants an open-ended session where you have no idea how many days it's going to occur, especially when that's going to be coming, you know, no more than about, let's say, two to three weeks, perhaps, before we go back into regular session again. That's Hamlin University analyst David Schultz. So, Scott, two experts, two different views on whether there will be a special session. And as with most things at the Minnesota State Capitol, we will just have to wait and see. Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Hey, it's Flint Lockwood here from Swallow Falls. My friends and I have just discovered these amazing living foodimals. But wait, we've also discovered a crisis that needs our help. According to my calculations, one in five kids in America struggles with hunger. That's almost 17 million kids. Our mission is to help solve hunger by teaming up with the Feeding America Network to get food to kids facing hunger in communities across the country. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks, helping connect children and families who face hunger to billions of pounds of food, reaching shelters, schools, and community centers in every county in America, including yours. Help Flint and the Feeding America network of food banks get food to the people who need it in your community. Find your local Feeding America food bank at feedingamerica.org hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. Tis the season for spending and giving, but just like anything else, you don't want to overdo it. We've already had Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and Giving Tuesday. All that consumer activity has cash registers ringing at a healthy pace, but it also brings a reminder about the importance of maintaining financial health during the holidays. I recently chatted with Dr. Thomas Kotke at Health Partners about the dangers of overspending and what kind of impact it can have on our well-being. Well, uh, there's a num number of important ways that financial well-being impacts health, and uh, it's the lack of control of your finances that is the biggest problem, and it leads to chronic anxiety and can lead to depression. And then, because our, our brains tell us to negotiate, we tend not to exercise appropriately, and we tend to eat unhealthy foods when we're anxious or depressed. And we hear about you know, comfort foods, people uh, gorging on comfort foods uh, when, the, when they're feeling badly. And uh, financial distress is, uh, in our data, is one of the most important sources of distress. And doctor, what would you say we can do to motivate ourselves if, if we are in a malaise or having trouble getting motivated? Well, uh, one, uh, 
create a calendar and keep a diary of um, your physical activity. And it doesn't have to be a lot, 10,000 steps a day wearing a pedometer or a Fitbit or whatever um, brand name product you, you choose to use, or uh, simply mapping out uh, a, a route with your car and so that you walk a couple of miles t- uh, twice a day in addition to your uh, usual activity. Then the other is to uh, keep a diet diary. Uh, I personally, uh, for example, I eat two vegetarian meals a day. I just don't eat meat for breakfast or lunch, and then we make sure we have plenty of uh, fruits and vegetables for supper. And so keeping track of um, what you're eating and uh, keeping a diary for physical activity to make sure you do it but the important thing uh, this time of the year is uh, to get to avoid getting into trouble in the first place. And the way to do that is to start out with a budget uh, and decide what you're going to spend. I'm, I'm sure you get uh, probably uh, as many emails as I do a day uh, wanting um, us to spend in those you know, 30, 40, 50 emails. Of, um, and if we buy the first thing for uh, somebody and then come back later and think, oh, that's better, um, then we, we eventually uh, bust the budget. But uh, uh, deciding how much we can afford and then um, keeping to that budget. The other, another suggestion is, is uh, simply to, uh, with those you're going to exchange gifts, is to decide you're going to um, make the gifts instead of buy the gifts. And, um that, that's another way to uh, handle and prevent financial distress. Is this something that uh, the doctors hear about from patients very often this time of year? Oh, um, actually, it's a little later. It comes in January and February and March. And um, uh, when, when the uh, credit card bill comes in, and uh, then they... Um, and then, uh, you know, it, it also is magnified by the, the short daylight hours. And so, but it's, it's usually, I think, a little later in the year after, after the other shoe falls, so to speak. All right, Doctor. Well, the fact that we're talking about it now and we'll get the word out there now, hopefully we'll have people thinking about it ahead of time rather than after the fact this time. Is there anything else you wanted to add this afternoon? Well, I think, um, yeah, it relate, it, this is all related to our search for happiness and well-being. And, and so... Uh, taking good care and and remembering that it's really the relationships that bring us happiness and it's the exchange of gifts, not the magnitude of the gift that makes a difference. And so uh, working uh, and deciding what the rules are for gift exchange and then uh, being creative uh, can be as important or more important than the magnitude of the gift. Well put, Doctor. Thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're quite welcome. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face, arm, speech, time. That's F, face drooping, A, arm weakness, S, speech difficulty, 
T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of... Your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother... Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University of Minnesota football team accepted an invitation to spend the holidays at the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, California. The Golden Gophers will play Washington State in the game set for Tuesday, December 27th at 6 o'clock Minnesota time. This is the fifth consecutive bowl game berth for the Gophers and they have a chance to win back-to-back bowl games for the first time since 2004. m Sports Director Mike Grimm, who's also the voice of the Gophers, has more on this primetime destination. Scott, this is a nice reward for a senior group of Gopher players. It's been amongst the winningest four-year group in program history, and San Diego's a nice destination for this 8-4 and four team, and playing a top-flight squad from the Pac-12 is also attractive. Minnesota senior receiver Drew Walatarski's thrilled that his final college game will happen in his home state of California. I was ecstatic, and I and I know my family was as well. Um, they texted me before any before I even found out, so that was big and, and got me excited. I texted you know my my friends back home, uh, told them I try to give them a ticket, see what I could do. But you know it's good that no one else is from there, so it's ideal for me to to find some. What is the crush been like here early? I mean, what do you, what's your estimate? How many friends and family will uh, will try to make it to San Diego? Man, uh, I'm gonna say over 100 probably. Wow. How far uh, are you from San Diego, where you grew up? Um, it's three hours, I would say. You know, Carlsbad is a little, I think, north of there, and and that was some place we we would go, me and some friends, for a little vacations. And uh, I know Coronado's down there too. I was always a big Navy Navy SEAL kid, so. I, uh, I always kept my eyes open for, for planes and, and tanks and stuff like that. Now, football-wise, um, your final game, your final go-around, how important is it to go out with, uh, one, to get a win, but two, just to have that good taste in your mouth, know that um, you know, it would be a second straight bowl win, all of that? It's big, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give everything I got. You know, I got no more school after two weeks. I can really just hone in on, on football and enjoy that process, you know, kind of get that taste of what it's like to play in the NFL a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. You know, I'm going to go out and give everything I got. There's no point to hold back on anything. Can you take something from what happened last year in the bowl game, whether it's prep leading up to it, whether it's what seniors last year did and now you're a senior this year to, to, to draw from what they did? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think just coming in and, and being serious about bowl practice, 
uh, not taking it lightly. I think that you know Mitch has done a great job leading the huddle uh, this this whole year in practice, bringing energy that has fed off to us. Last one for you. How important is it to know win or lose, really, when you go out that this program's in a better spot than maybe it was when you decided to uh, the, the coach kill and the staff committed to you you committed to them at a time where this wasn't necessarily one yeah. of those glamour spots so to speak you know I, I really appreciated the the opportunity they gave me I wasn't recruited heavily uh, a lot of people you know said I was too slow um, you know too big to play receiver basically and so you know they gave me a shot and Savell he had faith in me and, and saw a lot of potential and I respected that I respected Coach Kill coming to my house, you know, multiple times. Uh, I just felt the love, and, and I felt the love when I got here on my visit, and I decided this is where I wanted to play, this is where I wanted to put my chips, and it's been a good gamble, man. I've come out with a lot. That's Gopher senior Drew Walatarski. As for fellow senior quarterback Mitch Leitner of Lakeville, well, he too is happy about the San Diego destination. Really looking forward to getting out of here and getting to some warm weather and uh, uh playing against a, a good football team so it's we're really looking forward to a great experience. Washington State's the opponent obviously way too early to know much about them other than they're a Pac-12 team they too like to throw the football around what can you uh, what can you look forward to with the with the Cougars on the other side? Well I mean uh, just knowing that they're in a conference that does like to throw the football around quite a bit uh, hopefully we'll be able to have some success throwing the ball against them that day and uh, and running the ball as well you know we we'd like to think that we play in a more physical conference than they do so to be able to run the ball down their throat as well would be huge for us as a team. With a bowl game you guys finally got that taste of victory last year can you draw from that experience uh, with preparation and confidence going into this game? Yeah I think so I mean uh, you know really by the time you get to that bowl game, uh, all the rest is just water under the bridge. So, you know, last year in Detroit to be able to get that win, it it was an unbelievable feeling to be able to be up on a podium, host, hoisting a trophy, and experiencing that, experiencing that with all the guys and, and coaches and everything like that. And then, you know, to, for that to carry it over this year, I think uh, it gives guys a lot of motivation to work hard during these bowl practices and really and really take this whole experience very seriously. And then for you personally, this will be your last go around. How important is it to go out with a with a good taste in your mouth, so to speak, to finish this thing off on, on a high note? <laughs> it'd be it'd be huge. I mean, I uh, I'm definitely glad I didn't have to end on the bad taste from Wisconsin. So hopefully, uh, be able to come come out here and have a, a great game against Washington State. A game like that, that second half, do you just flush it? Do you watch it? Do you just forget about it? How do you approach now moving forward? I think a little bit of both. Uh, you know, it hurts for a, a long time. You know, it still hurts. Uh, but at the same time, we, we've we've learned from our mistakes and uh, you, you can't just dwell on it the rest of your life. At some point here, we got to move on. And, and now that we have something to look forward to, like the Holiday Bowl, uh, it makes things a lot easier. And opportunity now there to, to, to finish this thing off right. No doubt, no doubt. Looking forward to it. That's Gopher senior Mitch Leidner. The Gophers have already begun preparation for this bowl game and will leave for California on December 23rd. Scott? Thanks, Mike. More Minnesota Matters after this. Last night we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before. And we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're going to be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. Woohoo! So come check us out. Check us out. 
And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. There's a different kind of show playing over the holidays at a renowned theater in St. Paul. Park Square is featuring The Soul of Gershwin, the musical journey of an American klezmer. Bick Smith visits with the cast and creator. In The Soul of Gershwin, George Gershwin's character talks about what influences his music. Well, a trio of singers illustrates how his music helped create the Great American Songbook. I think it's a very unique piece, and for me, it's a really unique way of presenting this music. So I'm thrilled to be doing it because it's, it's different. It's a different spin, and I think people will really enjoy it. That's performer Maude Hickson, who is making her debut in the ensemble. Joe Voss wrote The Soul of Gershwin and at the piano leads a talented band on stage. When did you first put this piece together? This would be the late 90s. It was actually originally a concert I had in mind at the St. Paul JCC, Jewish Community Center, on the 100th anniversary of uh, George Gershwin's birth in 1998. Uh, we did that concert and Peter Moore, who was directing here, saw the concert or a version of that concert and thought this should be in a theater. So then we talked to Park Square and started doing it here. So it would be about 17 years since we've been doing it in theaters. The show has changed through the years. Performer Maggie Burton says it took on a whole new life when director Peter Moore became involved. Peter came to the show in St. Paul and he said, whoa, we should have an actor up there portraying Gershwin and narrating the show, and, and it was a brilliant idea. Burton has done the show for years, as has Jeffrey Jones, who rounds out the trio of singers on stage. Depending on the theater that it's in, I, I really enjoy the more intimate uh, venues that we've done the show in. I think that accessibility just really adds to the, uh, the warmth and the intimacy of the music. Actor Michael Paul Levin leads the charge as Gershwin himself as he has since the very first performance of The Soul of Gershwin. You know, people say, oh, you're, you you got the big part, you're the star of the show. I go, no, no, the music is the star of the show. I'm just sort of the host of the show. I'm introducing stuff, and that's pretty much my, my role in this play. It's more like a, of a narrated concert than it is an actual play. I asked Maude Hickson, a jazz and standard singer by trade, which Gershwin song is her favorite? Ooh. Yeah, I get to do all, every song I get to do is absolutely fabulous. It's the cream of the crop, and of course we don't get a chance to do all the great songs that, that would give people an idea of how brilliant Gershwin was, but we get to do some amazing things. Um, the Man I Love, Someone to Watch Over Me, uh, It Ain't Necessarily So, I Got Rhythm, it's just amazing. You will leave the theater in a, with a feeling of great joy. Creator Joe Voss says there are some magic moments on stage. 
I think one of the first ones that occurs in the show uh, would be the uh, duet between the cantor, the chazan, and the gospel singer. And I'm singing a cantorial piece, and he is singing gospel. And then we're coming together on the same note. We, we end up on the same note. Each singing in his or her actual tradition, and somehow it blends in a particularly unique and wonderful way. I think we complement one another, you know, but then it does something more than that. And each time, it, I was thinking about this the other night, in a sense, it's almost like being an athlete because when you're done, you take a breath and you go like, wow, did I nail it this time? You want to you kind of assess a little bit mentally, well, how, how'd that go? How'd, how'd I do? One thing I really love about this show is, is the mix of genres in it. So there's jazz and gospel and classic cantorial and Yiddish theater and All during the opera. holidays. Yeah. It sort yeah. of feels right, doesn't it, this time of year? Sure, it does. Everybody loves the songs, so there's some um, songs that are very familiar and beloved by all. And even if you may not know the specific songs, they're familiar to you because they're just a big part of the Great American Songbook. But then there's surprises as well. There's did you know that, there's some gotchas in there. There's humor and there's um, wit. And then there's the, the talents of the participants. The band is amazing. So there's that. Come see the show. I mean, Gershwin was, uh, I've been doing the show since we first started it in 1999. It was its first incarnation. So that's, what, 17 years ago? Last century. Yes, if someone else said that. <laughs> yes, we, we started the show last century. Thank you very much for reminding me of that. But the thing is, that, yeah, Gershwin died when he was 38 years old, so I'm uh, I'm I'm getting too old to do the part any longer. So so come see that now before before they replace me with a younger model. The Soul of Gershwin playing at Park Square Theater in St. Paul through the end of the year. You can get tickets at 651-291-7005 and at parksquaretheater.org. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Bick. That's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station. <laughs>